Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So I have a very simple message for Russia. We know what you are doing, and you will not succeed. For over a year, observer journalist Carol Cadwallader, who broke the Cambridge Analytica scandal, has been talking to Peter Dukes, the writer behind the hit podcast Untold, The Daniel Morgan Murder. This whole story is about information, disinformation, propaganda, and the way that is used and the way that it's weaponized. In reporting this story, what has happened is I found myself on the front line of that. And their greatest ally actually is the media. This is information warfare. The man behind Brexit, Mr. Nigel Farage. Robert Swan Muller. I care deeply about the rule of law. What has never changed and will never change are our values. From the makers of Untold, this is Dial M for Muller. Along with Carol Cadwallader, we'll be reporting on the front line of this information warfare with everything concerning Trump, Russia, Brexit, and why Britain needs a Muller inquiry. It's Sunday night on the 4th of November. It's 8 p.m. We're tired. What are we doing in a podcast studio, Cal? I'm here and you're here helping in this mission, which is that I am deeply, deeply frustrated by what is happening in Britain and the lack of investigation into the multiple crimes that we either know were committed or are alleged to have been committed during the EU referendum. We are less than six months away from when we exit the European Union. I've been investigating this for two years now. There's all sorts of investigations which have been unleashed, but they're piecemeal. And the the sort of drum I've been trying to bang is that America has Trump, who is worse. I mean, I think we can say that. But it also has Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. And it has a Mueller inquiry. And... It's become really painfully obvious that this is what we desperately need to have in Britain. So Robert Mueller is the special counsel for a congressional appointed body of the FBI investigating Russian interference in the 2016 presidential elections and potential collusion with the Trump campaign. It is a very large inquiry. It has dozens of lawyers, some of the top lawyers in the US on money laundering, on data analytics on troll farms and on cryptocurrencies. It has an amazing team. And already 
has assembled some about six or seven indictments, legal indictments, speaking indictments. People have been indicted in the U.S. over this issue, and they've named 30 amazingly detailed indictments. And they've arrested people. They've arrested people, mainly for lying, for not being uh, honest in quiet, because they have amazing powers. They like them or loathe them. The Americans believe in the rule of law. And, yeah. And, and they, give the, they give their white-collar crimes. You know, Enron. What happens in Enron? But what's, what's kind of amazing about this is that it's so, you know, it's so partisan in America. You know, it's, it's Congress, it's completely dysfunctional. But nonetheless, this really vital institution, which is about respecting the, the rule of law, and that's in, been enshrined in this Mueller investigation, is there. And we don't have it in Britain and there is a blindness and an unwillingness to see that actually the same forces, the same dark money, the same misuse of data, the same connections through to the Kremlin, the same connections through to the US outright, they are all here in Brexit too. So what the Americans have the advantage of is because law enforcement is involved, they get the data. The indictments we've had so far reveal a lot of Russian troll farms, reveal the GRU, the Russian military intelligence, hacking emails from in the US, from the Democratic Party. Yet we know GRU is active in the UK. Thanks to Bellingcat, we know they helped target a Russian former spy in Salisbury. They were probably behind the Polonium attack. And yet we have no information, unlike the yeah, and so And so what Russia has unleashed upon America is information warfare. And it has done this by weaponizing the US social media platforms. It's very, very sophisticated. It is very, very complicated. And what Mueller is doing is untangling that. But these same social media platforms, they're international. They're also where our own politics and public discourse is being conducted. And exactly the same forces were at work during the referendum. And now, still now as well, this is all still where it's happening. It is really complicated. I mean, you kind of like, I can't, you kind of underestimate how complicated this story is. But that is why you need a central authority which takes control of all these multiple different investigations that are going on. You're right. It's drawing these strands together. So the three big domains, if you like, one is Trump. And we'll look at how a certain figure in the news in Britain today is involved in the Trump campaign, but also in the Brexit campaign and also has Russian connections. But then the, the levels of those connections, the kinds of connections, sometimes it's money, sometimes it's data, sometimes it's personal connections, isn't it? So you yeah. have three layers, you have three domains and three levels mm. of intervention. Mm. And, so, and at the heart of it all, it's really interesting. I think it's always worth remembering this. At the heart of this all are the tech platforms and the behavior of the tech platforms and the unaccountability and the way, for example, that Facebook has refused to come and answer questions to Parliament. This is at the centre of it all. And so you, you've always got to come back to that. Yeah, and the interesting thing, because of Mueller and subpoenas in the US, they after Zuckerberg was forced to come to US Congress. They're actually handing over very, very little. And the US committees which are looking into this, for example, Adam Schiff, there's been completely frustrated still with what Facebook's handed over. But at the same time, the only things we've got in Britain 
are there kind of the crumbs from the table? Yep. So actually it was one of those committees handed over stuff to the British Parliament and that's the only way we found out, even about the most basic level. You know, there's the most basic stuff which was that advertisements placed which were paid in Russian rubles. So like the lowest hanging fruit on the trees. When we know that there's much, much more sophisticated and, and more difficult to bot stuff going on, on these platforms too. So as we're going forward, you know, looking at Trump, Russia, Brexit, and we have, I think, multiple strands of these connections and multiple personalities involved. Uh, part of the, your mission, isn't it, uh, is that it's not just about what happened in 2016 with the e-referendum. It's not just about the election of Trump. It's about all future elections, because whatever happened with 2016... It's still happening. It's still happening. It's absolutely happening now. And one of the really, really frightening and dystopian things about this is that if an election was called tomorrow, we have absolutely no guarantees that it'll be free and fair. And in fact, I can categorically say that it wouldn't be because it's all going to be mediated by these massive platforms and we have absolutely no way of tracking the money or data which goes through them. And our electoral laws do not work. And the most scary thing about this Parliament, so the Parliamentary Committee, which was set up to look into this, which is being headed by Damien Collins, they did this really good report and they've pointed all this out and they've said this needs immediate attention. It's made 42 recommendations to the government and the government's rejected 39 of them. And it's just so complacent and blind and willfully ignorant and dangerous. And our press honestly has been missing in action. And our broadcasters have been missing in so action. we're an alternative broadcasting corporation to keep people informed, up to date, and to clarify. So let's wind back. Let's just follow one figure who's been in the news recently who may be able to clarify the connections between Trump, Brexit, and Russia. Now, tell us about somebody I think you might have even met, a very interesting chap who's been in the news recently. His name is Aaron Banks. Who is Aaron Banks? Aaron Banks is a very central figure in all of this. And it is because of his alliance with another very key figure, Nigel Farage. Nigel Farage being? Nigel Farage, of course, being the central character in the UK Independence Party. So that was his political party. UKIP. UKIP, intent upon taking Britain out of the EU. And Nigel Farage was the figurehead for this alternative Leave campaign. We had sort of two big campaigns uh, during the EU referendum, which were supporting the Leave movement. And Nigel Farage, not, his was the... the and, punk campaign. It was it? like the punk campaign, and it was more inflammatory. It used more obviously kind of... Racist. Racist imagery. Can I say racist? I think it's racist. racist. The immigration, the whole poster, uh, you know, but yeah, I would think it's that sort of uh, yeah, opinion. Yeah. And so Nigel, it was Nigel Farage's campaign that was bankrolled by this character who is now sort of becoming something of a figure on the national stage, Aaron Banks. Oh. So Nigel Farage is a really, A, essential figure in all of this, and B, he's somebody who you can see these links through very directly. So through Nigel Farage, we really see how intimately Brexit is connected to the Trump campaign and also to Mueller's investigation. So for if there's an American list or anybody not understanding what are the Trump-Russia-Brexit connections, we have a photograph, difficult to see on a podcast, 
But there's a classic photograph explains these connections, or at least puts them together in one golden lift. Can you describe that photograph? Because I think it's ah. in the header of your Twitter account. Yeah, well, I have a kind of funny personal history with this photograph because my entry point into this story um, was via Aaron Banks's associate, who's a man called Andy Wigmore. And Andy Wigmore is the person who took that photograph of... It was a really significant occasion because it was the first visit to Donald Trump by a foreign politician. And Nigel Farage swanned in there and Andy was with him and Aaron Banks was with him. And they took that photo in front of the Golden Lift. Now, very shortly afterwards, I um, just stumbled into this story because I started looking at Cambridge Analytica. And that led me to the Leave EU campaign. So I trotted off to meet Andy Wigmore in Westminster and he'd just come back from Trump's inauguration. Anyway, and he took out his mobile phone. He started leafing through it and he had all these photos. So from behind the scenes of the inauguration inside Trump Tower and these photos in front of the lift. And there's also included in those photographs are Raheem Kassan, which links again to America, Breitbart Bannon, because he was the London editor of... So Raheem Kassam is a really key figure and I think it's really worth slowing on him for a moment yeah. because he got the job. Bannon, Steve Bannon, who of course, you know, we know about um, campaign manager for Trump. After Manafort was left, it was Bannon. The editor-in-chief of Breitbart and also vice president of Cambridge Analytica. Right. And a sort of a key ally of Robert Mercer, who's the big funder of Donald Trump. So, yeah, so so Raheem's a really um, interesting character in all this. Um, Bannon and Mercer deliberately and strategically wanted to draw Britain into the same power nexus that was going on in the States. So essentially setting up the same kind of propaganda machine that they'd set up in the States with Breitbart. So he brought Breitbart to London in 2014. That's it. And Raheem were Kassam was who he made the first editor of it. Uh, so Raheem had the... I'm not Raheem, I must call him Kassam. Let's not use their first names. I don't want to be cosy with these people. Kassam is now... He's kind of Steve Bannon's main man now. So Kassam, he's like... He's, he's, it's very interesting because he had a really um, major role in UKIP. He was he's running ba- for leader for one point, he was, wasn't he? Wasn't he, he, yeah. he was running for leader, wasn't he? Yeah. He was. He was kind of speechwriter for Farage, and Kassam was high up in UKIP and won Breitbart. And then doesn't Farage say in some video somewhere? Looking on the internet, will no doubt find an order to replay. I couldn't have won Brexit without Breitbart. Yeah, so, so it comes back to this thing. Bannon and Mercer playing a key role in Brexit in a multitude of different ways. And Breitbart is one of them. Cambridge Analytica is another one of them. This US dark money, which is funding things like the Taxpayers Alliance and that whole network of think tanks. In at, Tufton at Street. 55 Tufton Street. There's US kind of dark money all over this. My colleagues at The Guardian reported... Um, that Nigel Farage was a figure of interest. Figure in of interest about a year ago. Person of interest in Mueller's inquiry. We don't know why that is. He's denied it. But there are various connections. Just before we get to Banks uh, with Farage, there's obviously his proximity and his friendship with Trump. He appears at various rallies in Mississippi. You know, he also visits a significant figure in the whole 
Mueller investigating, which is Julian Assange. Yes. Yeah, so Julian Assange is alleged by certain people, and certainly is a focus of investigation as a possible conduit whereby it's these hackers... It's not possible. He's been named in Mueller's indictments. As the conduit. Well, he's, I mean, it's what are they called? Organisation One or something, which Organisation, is patently which is Wiki. WikiLeaks. Well, WikiLeaks. So WikiLeaks is now... There's, we don't even have to speculate about that. WikiLeaks has been no. identified by Mueller's investigations as the conduit did, for... Did, Russian military intelligence hacking. operation, yeah, yeah. Um, hacking operation, and disseminated yeah. Hillary Clinton's stolen emails. Now, I happen to know, for various reasons, that various UKIP members are close to Assange for quite a long time, but we have a, a vivid example of Farage's connection with Julian Assange, and that happened, I think, sometime after Brexit. I think it was in November 2016. He was caught by BuzzFeed, I believe, Coming out of the embassy, is that not right? Having visited Julian, Julian yeah, Assange. Yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, there's such an interesting story to tell about this because I did a big piece about how Nigel Farage, he was in the States, he was visiting Donald Trump, he had dinner with him in Washington, the Trump Hotel, and then a few days later he's caught tripping out down the stairs of the Ecuadorian embassy. And at the time, so BuzzFeed kind of caught him and they said, what are you doing in there? And he was like, oh, I never discussed private visits, and that was it. And it was like, it was such a crazy time, you know, it was yeah. that sort of Trump had just become president. It was like madness. The world was on fire. And it, it sort of, Nigel Farage being this sort of pantomime figure, it got lost in the news, in the news round. And, but I, I, you know, I had this really, really good source who said, look at the timings, mm. look at the timings and what happened shortly, what happened when he went into the embassy and what happened when he came out. And, and basically what happened was, I think it was within an hour, Julian Assange called a press conference and he announced that there was going to be a new leak, the Vault 7 leak. And it was, Trump was having a very difficult news mm. week and it kind of threw a bomb into the news cycle because it was these really significant uh, revelations about what the CIA was up to in terms of surveillance of American people, all sorts of different things. So, yeah, so so there we see we see with Nigel Farage, Julian Assange... Donald Trump and the Russian military intelligence agency. Just in that, 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 I mean, those are facts. There's nothing I'm speculating about that. And so then that brings us to Nigel Farage's campaign and this figure, Aaron Banks. Won't be familiar to anybody in America, barely familiar to most of the people in Britain. But Aaron Banks is significant because he's the money man. He funded Nigel Farage's uh, referendum campaign. He's actually the single biggest funder of the referendum of, the, of Brexit. And more than that, he's the single biggest political donor in British history. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. So, a char- somebody like that, who's pouring money into a political campaign in the biggest, the most consequential election in modern British history, they need to be squeaky clean. We need to know who they are. We need to know where that money has come from. This needs to be absolutely above board. And what it transpires is that it is not. And it's so interesting because... In, through Aaron Banks, we see these very deep connections. But I think it's really important to keep focus on the money. Yeah. And Aaron Banks is the money. So Aaron Banks is the single biggest funder of Brexit. It's Aaron Banks in the news today. And Aaron Banks, yes, as well as the key connections to the US outright, which we see in that photo in the lift, we also have these intriguing and troubling and disturbing links through to the Russian government. Just just winding back here, he's said to be the biggest donor in British history. I mean, obviously it's a one-off thing, it's an EU referendum, extraordinary time in British history and a very decisive vote. I'm never quite sure, people talk about 8 million, 12 million, a lot of figures floating around. Do we know the exact amount he is alleged to have donated to Levy? It's all totally opaque and untransparent. And there's, there's a whole array of different numbers floating around. And the thing about banks is that he sort of says, it's my money. He says, how do you pay for Brexit? He says, my money. It's money that came from my bank account. But that is just simply not true because he's got this enormously complicated offshore corporate structure, which is deliberate. And pe- why do people put money offshore? They do it so that it's dark and untransparent. So the, the whole way that sort of the, our electoral law works is that we control the amount of money that's spent in elections. And it's this very British principle. We want a, you know, we want a level playing field. And so during the campaign period, we have limits yeah. and you can't go over those limits. And if you do, it's a criminal offence. But it's not just the amount of money spent. And there are questions we will do another episode about vote leave oh, and, and believe. Yes. It's permissible. Explain yes, what this is it. It's what I wanted to explain. Yeah. So one of the things about it is we only allow British money in British elections. It kind of it's such a basic rule. Otherwise, what's to, you know, stop any country just deciding to like bankroll the whole thing and get the change? They're not living here. Why would they? Exactly. So per- permissible means British. Ah. British individual, British company. They're the only people who can put money into British elections. And remember, of course, this was about British sovereignty. <laughs> so it's it's a pretty key aspect. And yeah, the Electoral Commission have said 
is that they aren't convinced that it's a permissible donation. Which means they don't think it doesn't look like so far it's come from a UK citizen. Exactly. And so this is, this. I mean, it's just such a fundamental question. This is the most consequential election. <laughs> that may have not been funded by British money. That may not be But they be suspect funded. hasn't been. And then we get into this really, really problematic area now. So that's now become a serious criminal investigation. Can I, can I just ask you, have somebody, you know, I've been tangential, this is not legal. From my understanding is that he has this big country house. It's just a personal thing about Aaron oh, Banks. I love, I love, let's talk about Aaron Banks' his country house. Country house, big country house, which he doesn't, can't afford to live in. And I love it. he rents out for weddings. I, he lives in the servants' he, quarter. No, he lives in a cottage in the grounds. It's too beautiful. So it's amazing. And he doesn't even own the... So this is like Aaron Banks, the billionaire, the biggest political donor in British history who gave upwards of £9 million to the referendum campaign. And, you know, there's all these you know question marks over where his money comes from. But yes, let's just look at the very obvious thing. So he owns this big manor house in the country that he poses for photographs in front. But he rents it out for weddings and it's got a mortgage on it. £250,000 mortgage. I know. <laughs> but also, if you had £8 million knocking around or twelve or whatever you wanted to spend on Brexit, you might just take a little fraction to pay your mortgage off, you think. Well, it's funny, isn't it, that even I don't have to, like, um, rent out my flat, you know. It's not to... quite as grand and capacious as Down Manor. He's in, he's, he's, he lives in this, in this much smaller house in the grounds. I mean, it's just all for show. One of the reasons why you're immediately in the firing line is because, uh, and one of the bits where we kind of joined together, was evidence of Aaron Banks's meetings with the Russian embassy. One of the things I found in trying to investigate this world is that it's not all hidden. Yeah, There's so really. much of it which is out in the open and on the surface. And so one of the things I find really interesting is, of course, is that Aaron Banks and Nigel Farage, they're both very overt about this. They support Putin. Yeah. They support Russia. Um, Nigel Farage in 2013 said he's a strong man of Europe. There's an express article how uh, uh, Nigel Farage thinks Putin's one of the greatest things in Europe at the moment. Yeah, and he's in uh, in the European Parliament. He's you know he's got a very consistent record of voting in this far right pro-Putinist European bloc. And also appears on RT. And he's so he doesn't just appear on RT. Mm. RT is the state Russian broadcaster, and it gives him lots of money. He's paid by. He's paid by the Russian government. But, you know, and he met the Yakovenko, having said, he's very funny about this, Nigel, because he is key, because he's banks. Farage, so. if you don't mind. Not Nigel. Let's, very, let's not cosy-fy them. Farage is very interesting on this because he's denied having met the Russian ambassador, and yet there's a picture of him in 2013 with the Russian ambassador. When confronted by a journalist, finally a De Spiegel journalist about two years ago, he said there's no Russian connections. So they're both very wary. All I'd say is... Having, despite these overt ideological alignments in the public domain, when confronted, as as Aaron Banks was, he says, I had one meeting with the ambassador. So he, he so it wasn't even a matter of confronting, actually. He put this in his autobiography, so-called autobiography, The Bad Boys of Brexit. Written by? Written by a journalist called Isabel Oakshop. Right. So what I think is really interesting to say about this is that there's a strategy at work here that Banks uses and uses it consistently. And it's always to try and put out as much in the open as possible so that there's no kind of big kapow. Aha, you yeah, have this gotcha. meeting. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So they, they always do this thing, uh, uh, but they turn it into a joke. Yes, Oleg. Didn't he say he met a guy called Oleg 
who was a KGB man in London. Oleg, that's right. So he said in the in the um, in the book, he sort of says, "Oh yeah, it was, we met this guy called Oleg at the um, UKIP party conference, and Oleg's the KGB's man in London. And he invited us over to the embassy to meet Yakovenko. Oh, top geezer." God, we drank eight bottles of vodka and then moved on to brandy. It was Stalin's special vodka. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Special brandy, I think it was. So that was was all out there. And for two years, that's Mm. the line that he's maintained. One boozy lunch at the Russian... I mean, he slipped one time with me. He said it was two boozy lunches. And I was like, that's interesting, Aaron. You say one. How many lunches was it? And so for for about 18 months, I'd consistently trolled him on trigger going, how many lunches again? How many lunches, Aaron? And so, but then, then what cracked wide open this summer, which you, of course, were a key part in, was this stash of emails that told a very different story. I have them here. (laughs) No, but first of all, first thought. So the whole thing about reporting this story is that as a journalist, you can only get so far. And that's why I've just been agitating and you just want the authorities to take over. You want the authorities to take over, or at least you want like a massive team of journalists from yeah. like, but you know, but but then th- that hasn't happened. So we've been sort of scrabbling around and like looking for crumbs wherever you can find them. And so suddenly having all these questions about Russia and Aaron Banks and his relationship with the Russian government, suddenly it kind of cracked wide open. And there were these emails that spelled out that he had lied. And the interesting thing I always you always come back to is why had he lied? If yeah. there was nothing to hide, why did he lie about it? And why react the way he did? Uh, just just to maybe fill in some detail. You know, we were talking about permissible donors, right? You know, that there is now investigation of permissible donors to the Brexit campaign, this eight or 12 million, and they're looking at the Isle of Man. What those emails we got hold of revealed is that Aaron Banks was in protracted discussions going over months, I don't know where they went, with an oligarch and the Russian embassy about lucrative diamond privatization deal, the Al Rosa deal, which was going around the same time as the Rosneft deal. We'll talk about Trump in that relationship. While we are looking, you know, wondering where he got his money from and the NCA are now looking at that, there are discussions in those emails with the Russians about big gold consolidation deals, diamond privatization. Which raises the question, though banks completely denies they went ahead, why were the Russians dangling all these deals? Now, you followed the timeline immediately around Brexit, because the timeline of these meetings is one of the mm. most important things, mm. isn't it? Yeah. It's to, we, I mean, I think to, to go back to Aaron Banks and the questions of the, the why he's living in the little house in the grounds and where he got his money from, why he's hanging out at the Russian embassy... In the week that they launched the Leave EU campaign, on the very day that they launched it. Vodka's good. Vodka's good. And it's Sunday now, and on Tuesday we have the ICO reporting. You said the biggest ever information commissioner investigation in the world, data investigation. I think it's going to be dramatic revelations. I mean, that's really interesting because I don't know, you know. You have no tip? They haven't leaked anything to you? They have no. But I think, I tell you what... I have a hunch about um, I have a hunch about certain things, and I certainly have a hunch that we're going to hear more about Aaron Banks. Actually, yeah, with that ICO report, it looks like Aaron Banks is going to be in the news some more. So we'll be back very soon to follow the continuing updates and extraordinary scandal and saga around Trump, Brexit, Russia. 
Untold. Dilem for Muller. Why Brexit Trump Russia needs a special investigation. Hosted by Carol Cadwallader and Peter Dukes. Edited by D.V. Amir. Music by Shemaini Mir. An Untold podcast. Produced by Duende Productions and Flameflower Studios. Untold. Dial M for Muller. junkies are you having a tough time navigating the twists and turns of the trump russia investigation so to be clear you want easily digestible and succinct reporting on the Mueller investigation that's what he said that's what i said that's obviously what the our position is it's time you check out Mueller. she wrote Mueller. she wrote is a weekly podcast where three female comics take a deep dive into the most consequential investigation in modern political history I'm your host, A.G., and I have to remain anonymous because I work for Trump's executive branch. Join me, along with Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn, as we report the facts, break exclusive news, and bring it all to you with just the right amount of snark. Then we top it off with our Fantasy Indictment League, exclusive interviews from guests including Asha Rangappa, Chris Cluey, Rabia Oshadri, and Scott Stedman, followed by Conjecture, all while we speculate on who is... So tune in for consistent updates and reliable coverage on Manafort, Cohen, the Trump family, Russia, and everything Mueller, and make Mondays great again. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mueller She Wrote. And check out our website at MullerSheWrote.com. You'll be glad you did. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.